You love Jesus this morning? Come on, it's good to be together with each, each one of you this morning. It's good to be here today. Good to see each one of you, but it's even better to do it in a community of worshipers where we have one goal, one God, and one vision to worship Him together. Amen? Hey, if you're new here, visiting with us for the first time, thanks for being here. Thanks for being with us. If you're watching online this morning, thanks for watching. Can we put our hands together and welcome those watching online this morning? Come on. If you're visiting, so honored that you would choose to be with us today. On your seat, you'll see an orange Connect card. Take a moment and fill it out, please. Drop it off at our Next Steps table or hand it to me or someone on the way out. And uh, we would love to connect with you this week. It's just a way that we can answer any questions you have or give you any information you'd like to have and have record of you being here. We know that it's a big deal that you're here. A lot of places you could be, a lot of different great churches in the area. Thanks for joining us here this morning. I want to give you a list of upcoming events real quick before we move forward into our message. Lots going on. And when we say lots going on, it doesn't mean we're busy and it's too overwhelming. It just means there's a lot of opportunities for you to engage the avenue. If only, if Sunday morning is the only time you're making space for church for the avenue, you're missing out on so much, and there's many more things that could be in your life as well. So check these out. First of all, we have Growth Track that happens tonight. It happens once a month, and this is a place where you can join the avenue, where you can discover more about who we are, discover about yourself as well. You can dive in. Growth Track is a great place for you if you're looking for a starting point with who is the avenue and how do I get involved here. It happens tonight at 6 p.m. You can register at myavenue.church slash growth track, or you can see Pastor Brandon right here, and he'll get you some information this evening for 6 p.m. It's not too late. You can still sign up and uh, go this evening. Next on that list is our 14 days of prayer and fasting, which kicks off today. Oh, somebody back there is excited. Come on. I got me a clapper somewhere. Prayer and fasting happens today. We kick off the beginning of our year each year, joining with churches around the world as we kick off and give God the beginning of our year by praying and by fasting. You know the scripture says when you fast, which to me says God expects us to fast. He's not giving it as an option. He's letting us know that when you do, this is how you do it. You go to Matthew 6, you'll see him say when you fast, when you pray, when you give. I don't interpret those as any of them being optional. I think Jesus assumes as a believer we're already praying, fasting, and giving. Therefore, he gives instructions on how to do those things. And so we kick the beginning part of the year off by praying and fasting. And so for the next 14 days, I encourage you to take part of that, to be part of that. And you may say, I've never done that before. I've never fasted anything. I fasted a meal, but it was by accident. And if that's you, now do it intentionally. Now do it on purpose. And watch what happens in your spiritual life when you say no to something in your physical life. Because too many of us are letting the physical, the flesh, dominate our lives and the spirit has no place when the spirit should be running our lives and the physical should be following after. So when you say no to something, a craving, an appetite for something, especially food, it, the body cries out, why are you doing that? And you remind it, because God is in charge. He's brought my spirit to life, and he is more important than you are, and it puts it in its place. And it lets God know that he is number one in your life as well. You say, well, that's crazy. All that happens, that and more. So take part. Be a part of our fasting at any level you want. You can Google some great fasts that are out there as well. And make sure you're praying and inviting God into this season as we kick off the new year. Also, small groups kick off today. So you'll see in the lobby a list of small groups that are out there. 
They'll be on the website tomorrow. You can begin signing up, but you can also sign up in the lobby and get information on them. Then on February the 4th, our six-year anniversary as a church happens. Come on, people. Let's celebrate what God's been doing for six years. We'll have a big party that day, anniversary party. And then the night after, we begin doing this last year, the Monday following our anniversary, we do a winter revival service. And so that'll be a great time, 7 p.m., right back here with a guest speaker coming in. And then we have a marriage conference that we're going to at, with another church out of town. We'll get you more information on that. But put it on your calendar now, March, uh, February 9 and 10, and plan to be there. Excited this morning because we have water baptisms following the service. And so if you decide this morning you want to be baptized in water, I believe we have extra clothing. Yes, we do, laying around. So many sizes, many shapes. So if you need clothes, if you're like, well, you know, Pastor, I wouldn't get baptized, but there's no but. We have all you might need. And besides, you're just going home anyway. So when you decide to be baptized today, we can make it, make it happen for you. We already have six people signed up, and we're excited about that and what God is doing in their lives as well. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of First Kings. Kind of obscure story. Probably many people don't know this. So if you don't know it, you're not going to be like isolated and say, ah, I don't know what story he's talking about this morning. Psst, most people don't. Kind of one of those like hidden, tucked away kind of secrets, if you will. I mean, it's there. You can read about it. But it's not the one most preachers even give attention to and highlight. But this morning, I want to draw into our purview because I believe as we're in this series, One Small Step, it fits really well into what we're speaking into. Last week, we spoke into how what, taking that one small step looks, what it looks like for each one of us. We talked about the vision of the avenue, the mission of the avenue, and how we walk that out. And how do we do those things? If you want to know more about who we are, you should go back and watch our service from last weekend. If there's anybody in your friend circle, your, anybody you know, like, what kind of church you go to, send them to last weekend. It exposes us. It tells everybody what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how we are doing it. This morning, I want to talk to you about the next step in that, how to find freedom. How to find freedom in your life. Because each one of us that step into a place of salvation you become a Christian, your sins are washed away, but now you're in this place now, this tension between my spirit is saved, but in my soul, which is made up of your mind and your will and your emotions, there is turmoil and there's a constant fight for the rest of your life that happens in your soul. So you're constantly in this place of, I know God is my God and my sins are forgiven, but this is the place where you're always like, but what about that thing I did? Do I still feel bad for it? But what about that thing I did? I'm still hooked on it. What about that thing I, I'm still doing today? Why am I thinking this way? If I'm saved, why do I act like this? If you've ever thought about those questions, been in this space, I don't think today may help you some, but there's a bigger question of helping us find freedom in our lives that we can discover that we don't have to be that way anymore. We don't have to think that way, act that way, be hooked on that. We can discover God wants to set us free, and whom the Son of God sets free is free indeed. Amen. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise. The companion of fools suffers harm. Maybe the harm you have in your life has nothing to do with your talents or your gifts or what you're good at. Maybe it has everything to do with who you're doing life with. In our story this morning, we're going to take a look at a couple of people, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. How many heard of those two guys? 
soldier. Jeroboam and Rehoboam, it's kind of like Tim and Jim, Mary and Carrie, like Ronald and Donald. Like these names are just throughout the Old Testament. Like they're not the only Rehoboams and Jeroboams. It was a kind of popular name in Jewish culture. It wore off apparently because I don't know a one now. They are not related. It's just the similarities of one letter off on their names, but their story runs together. Rehoboam is the prince. He's the son of Solomon, grandson of David, king of Israel. Rehoboam is going to become king when Solomon dies. But Solomon has made an idol, put, one, put something before God. What's an idol? It's putting anything before God. It's putting anyone before God. And God doesn't like that. And God had promised his father David and said, if you don't, if your seed will always keep me first, I'll always keep them on the throne. Right off the bat, Solomon, David's son, messes the whole thing up. So God says, I've got to find somebody else to put on the throne. He looks at this man, Jeroboam, and he makes him the promise and says, if you will turn people back to me, I'll keep you and your ancestors, your descendants on the throne. Jeroboam can't do it either. Immediately, when he becomes king, you'll see in a minute, he builds two golden calves in two different cities and tells the people to worship them because that's who delivered them from Egypt. It's all messed up. Well, why does it get this way? Why are these people so divided? But what, what do these two people's lives have anything to do with who we are and what we're talking about today? King Solomon dies, and Jeroboam has had to flee to Egypt because Rehoboam is going to be king. Again, they're not related, but they know each other. And we pick it up in verse 3. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, your father put a heavy yoke on us, your father Solomon. He wore us out. But now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we'll serve you. King Solomon lived such a lavish lifestyle, he was taxing the people so heavily, it was wearing them out. Solomon's dead. They said, hey, if you don't tax us like that and work us so hard, we'll gladly serve you. Lighten the load. King Rehoboam. So Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and come back. And the people went away. King Rehoboam then consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me answer these people, he asked. And they replied, if you will be a servant to these people and serve them, give them a favorable answer, and they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up around him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father has put on us? The young men who had grown up replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our, our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. And my father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it heavier. My father scourged you with whips, and I will scourge you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam, as the king had said. Come back to me in three days. So the king answered the people harshly. Rejecting the advice given to him by the elders, he followed the advice of the young men and said, My father made your yoke heavy. I will make it heavier. My father scourged you with whips, and I'll scourge you with scorpions. So the king did not listen 
to the people. And for this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the word spoken to him to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, through Ahijah the Shilonite. And when all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel, look after your own house. And the Israelites went home, and civil war broke out. This is the point in Israel's history when the north and the southern kingdoms are divided. When ten tribes serve in the northern and two tribes serve in the southern, and this is the point when they fractured and everything falls apart in Israel. Why? All because one man got counsel from two parties and listened to the wrong one. See, who you're surrounded with, who you do life with, those in your community are directing your life and helping establish the way of thinking that you have and the choices that you make. Those in that party that told that king and he made the wrong decision affected the destiny for generations and generations and generations until the exile. I want to make sure that this morning we understand the people that surround us, that we do life with together, need to be headed in the same direction that we are in the same mindset. This helps us find the freedom God wants. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for being so good to us. God, thank you for loving us enough to be here with us. God, I pray that today you would help us see deep in our hearts. We would expose what's going on and speak to us gently. The kindness that you have draws us into a place of change in our life. Speak to our hearts, our minds, our souls. Open our eyes to see you in a way we never have. In Jesus' name, everybody said? How many would agree with the statement that oftentimes, whoever you hang around with, you become like? We get this. That who you hang around with, you become like. My younger sister's here. So as I go back in history, she can affirm some of these facts. When I was about 15 or 16, I decided to get a flat top. Anybody know what a flat top haircut is? Shaved on the sides, flat on the top. Not that complicated. There's a picture. I could have shown it. I chose not to. <laughs> My dad would cut it for me. Dad's watching online this morning. Love you, Dad. Thanks for those haircuts. Sometimes they were a little bit this way. I'd have to walk like that to keep it flat on top. Just kidding. Why? Because I hung out with people that had hair like that. Well, one day I began to hang around people, and I realized they didn't have hair like that. George Clooney was in style back then, and they called it the Clooney cut. And he had this hair that came forward and popped up in the front. And I was like, that's the kind of haircut I need, because everybody I'm hanging out with has a Clooney cut. Come on, people of the 90s, where we at? All of a sudden, I realized my shoes look different, my pants look different. I went out and bought a Perry Ellis jacket, red, white, and blue, 2X. All 155 pounds of me wearing a 2X jacket around. Why? Because the people I rolled with were, wore clothes way too big. And then I realized one day my walking habits were not the same. I didn't even walk the same. We were walking through the Baltimore Harbor, and I used to walk like this, like everybody else. But then I realized that the people I walked with walked kind of with like a a drag of the foot, you know, they kind of like, like just pull it behind them. So I'm walking through the harbor, and I realize everybody else is a mile behind me. So I got to slow the pace down. I got to start walking like they're walking. 
Come on, y'all. Don't leave me out here on an island. You were there. The whole sole of your right shoe wore out faster than the rest of your shoe. You just drag it everywhere you went. Why? Because who you hang out with, you become like. Who you walk with, you'll walk like. Who you do life with determines where you go in life. John Maxwell said it best years ago. Show me your five closest friends and you'll see your future. We have to understand that if we are going to fulfill what God has told us to do and move people from where they are to where he wants them to be, we have to give people another community to get into because changing community changes destiny. We have too many people working on changing the conditions. Well, if I can get this right, and I can get this right, if I can get this behavior habit right, if I can get this mindset right, if I can get this thing right, if I can change my jacket, if I can change my shoes, if I can look like them. No. If you change your community, everything else will fall into alignment. You don't have to focus on conditions. You can focus on community. And if you get that thing figured out, suddenly now you get put and established with the right people. This is the place we are. Rehoboam, Jeroboam. Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. He was a soldier in the army. But he would fall off, lose his way. Rehoboam was the son of King Solomon, the wisest man ever. He's a prince. He was going to be king. He became king. But somehow, as we look closer at their lives, we realize that they both messed up. Why? Because they got bad counsel. Rehoboam could have set himself up and established himself as king, and the people would have gladly served under him in his dynasty if he had just listened to the wise elders. But when he took the advice and the counsel of those around him, I like this. Listen to what it says in verse 8. Read it slowly. He rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted with the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. Be careful about the advice you get from young people. Now, young people, I'm not picking on you, but the point is this. Be careful about getting advice from people who have no experience. You can't talk to somebody that's inexperienced and get some information about where you want to get to if they've never experienced it. Could you imagine asking somebody, you know, our phones were spoiled. Siri knows the way everywhere. Her maps are up to date all the time. She has a built-in system that is set so that you put any address in, it will get you there. I don't know what you people do with Androids, but I know how iPhones work with Siri. And as you put that in, it's because it's, that Siri has that information. Could you imagine asking a system that did not have the information how to get to a certain address? But we do this with our lives. How do I get there with my life? How do I become this with my life? How do I let God move me to this place with my life? But I'm not asking the right people because they don't have any experience. Rehoboam asked the people who don't have experience. He could have, he did ask the people who had experience. The wise elders had served with his father, King Solomon, and they gave him good counsel. If you'll just do this, the people will love you and serve you. You have a great kingdom. The monarchy will be established, and people will love their king. 
Isn't that what he should have wanted? But instead, he listened to people who had no experience. Be careful about getting instruction and counsel and advice from people who, can't, who have not experienced what you're trying to experience in your life. He grew up serving them, serving with him. These young men had grown up together. And I thought about that. I thought about sometimes the people we're friends with, we're friends with, and we don't really know why. Why are you friends with them? I don't know. We come up with some answers. I kind of made a list. One is because you're family. I got friends in my life just because they're family. How many know what I'm talking about? We just blood related. That's why we know each other. Then I got people in my life that are because of obligations. Now, I feel like I owe them something. I'm supposed to be their friend. We have mutual friends, so we're friends. Whatever your obligation might be, that's how you define it. We have people in our lives because I've always known them. I've known them my whole life. So they stay there just because you've known them your whole life. Well, maybe not the rest of your life. You should be knowing them. It's not proper English. Excuse me. I could have rephrased that. But maybe for the rest of your life, you can find new friends and go, I used to know them. We have these excuses, these built-in settings that we need to reset. Maybe you got friends in your life because at one point you were just bored, and you are bored right now, and you're friends with somebody just because you're bored. You don't have a purpose. You don't know what you're doing. They don't either. And mutually, you exist in each other's lives from pure boredom. Just bored. Not really trying to get anywhere. Not really trying to go anywhere. Maybe you got people in your life because they're rich. Well, that's mean. It's true. Maybe you try to cozy up next to people that are wealthy. You're hoping they add value to you instead of you thinking, what value can I add to them? I can't add monetary value to their life, but maybe I can add other value to them. But you're looking for handouts from them, so you're friends with them. Maybe you're friends with somebody because they're popular. Maybe your friend's circle is because they're popular. You don't even like them, really, but they're popular, and you want to be popular. You want to be in that circle, and so you got close to them in order to have more friends in your life, too. Students do this all the time, but teenagers, high schoolers, junior high, like we, this is a, one of the biggest problems, we, challenges we have in school is that if somebody's popular, we think they must have it all together, so if I can get close to them, I can look that way too, or I can have access to their friends, or I can be viewed that way well. But the challenge is this, just because we're trying to get people in our lives because any one of these reasons, and many more that I didn't even list, doesn't mean they're healthy for us. That they have the best of intentions for us. That they're trying to help us get to where God wants us to be. Paul wrote this. He said, do not be yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What does fellowship, what fellowship can light have with darkness? What is he saying? He's saying if you're trying to get somewhere that God's taking you to, spiritually you're trying to find your purpose in life and walk it out, you have to change your community to do so. You want to find true freedom in who Christ is, you've got to change some of that circle. And just because you grew up with them, just because you've done life with them, just because they were there for you before, you feel obligated to them now, listen to me, they may have been there for you, but that doesn't mean they're here for you. Because if they keep pulling you back there, let them be there for you, but you be here for you, and then you're going there for them and for you. 
and suddenly there's a gap. It doesn't mean you don't like them. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It just means you realize, hold on a second, you're not going the same direction I am. This is unequally yoked. The yoke is that thing that they put on the oxen. The farmer would put it on both necks of the oxen, and they'd walk pace by pace in the same direction, going with the same purpose. You have somebody in your life not walking at your pace, not headed towards your purpose. You're going to find yourself where you just do circles because you're fighting each other under this yoke, and you can't get free from them, and you can't get forward, and you can't go anywhere because you're yoked to somebody who is not the same. It doesn't mean God doesn't want us to be friends with unbelievers, unchurched people, people that don't know him. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to have those people in our lives. Jesus was known. One of his greatest titles was the friend of sinners. It just means when it comes down to your spiritual direction, your purpose, and what you're doing with your life, you better guard it and take it serious because one decision can affect generations to come. So let me give you three points. And I got to preach fast because we've got water baptisms. So three points to help us understand how do I get my community right. Choosing friends is way more important than you think it is. You need to be picky about who you pick. Choosy about who you choose. Choose right and choose wisely. Number one, choose friends who will empower you. Choose friends who empower you, not friends who enable you. Enablers have a victim mentality. And you need to know the difference. No one understands us, they say. They approach things from this place. Nobody understands us. This is how we are. This is how we'll always be. They're enablers. They, they validate that you must stay and you will stay in your issue. But when you surround yourself with people who have the same issue as you, you're excused not changing because you've been enabled to not change. Because the moment you begin to get free, it challenges them and makes them confront their issues. This is why this circle happens. You've got this friends, this community. You begin to go where God wants you to be, and they start making fun of you. Oh, look who got God. Oh, look who's trying to walk right now. Oh, look who forgot about everybody else and leaving the little people behind. Why would they mock you for making a healthy choice in your life? Why would they make fun of you for doing what God has purposed for you to do? Why would they make fun of you, even if they don't agree with it, for doing something with your life that is good for you? Here's why. Because when you go that way, it causes them to face their own issues that they don't want to. And they have to confront what they're in. Now, the benefit is maybe it will, and they go, you know what? I don't like that either about me. I want that freedom you're walking in. But most of the time, they try to pull you back. And they remind you, man, I know you try to change. Don't worry about it. We're always going to have that vice. Always got that habit. It's who we are. And they never empower you to become who God created you to be. And they always enable you to stay the same. Rehoboam had elders who cared for him, who would not coddle him, but decided we're going to challenge him. But he had friends who did coddle him. And inside of that, he made compromising choices with devastating decisions and results. Think about something. Every bad choice you ever made that you regret, every regrettable decision, 
Did you do it alone? Who was there? Everything in life you go, man, I don't know what I was thinking. Who were the friends enabling you, creating atmosphere, empowering that, encouraging that, pulling that out of you, telling you that's just the way we are, just who we are. We'll never be any different. We've always been this way. I will never forget this story. Luke and I used to have a playground we'd like to go to, and he was smaller then. He's 10 years old today. Today he gets baptized in water, y'all. Come on. Woo! It's a good day. When he was a little guy, he was a little guy, we went to the playground. At the playground, there's a platform, and then there was a fireman's pole. You know, there's a little pole, slide down the pole. Not that big a deal. Now, when you're like real little, it's like sliding down the Empire State Building. But we had done it a few times. I got tired, so I became the cameraman and began to video him doing it, and he just kept going and going. we go back to his park, and he'd go down the slide again, loved going down the slide, just enjoyed it. One day we go to the park, and we get there. He runs into some friends he knows. He goes to go down the fireman's pole, and when he goes to go down, his friends tell him, no, no, Luca, don't do that. No, no, you might get hurt. Luca, you might fall if you go down the pole. Don't go down the pole. And suddenly... He looks at the pole and becomes afraid. And he looks at me and says, Dad, I can't do it. I'm scared. I might get hurt. Well, where did that come from? This boy who was bold and courageous, who used to just slide down the pole constantly over and over, now has hit a point in his life when he is now afraid of this pole, and if he goes down it, he's thinking he could get hurt, and all the results that come from that bad decision. It came from his community, his friends. The people he hung up with, that place in life, had planted this seed in his head, this doubt, this courage, this, because they were afraid to go, they caused him to be afraid to go. So me, being the good dad that I was, put the camera away and began to have a conversation with this boy. Listen to me, son, you're going down that pole. <laughs> we're going to stand here all day. And I was actually really nice about it, which goes against some of my natural tendencies to demand him to go down the pole. And I just said, Luca, you're more than capable. Remember how much fun it was? You've done it before. Watch this video. Oh, look at your smile. You can do it. Nothing happened over and over. And finally, because I wouldn't give in, I empowered him to go down the pole again when others were enabling him to stay in the same place of fear that he was in. And I was going to fight because I look way deeper into things than most people should. Like, I got this crazy compulsion sometimes to go way deep into why you want to do something. My kids can tell you stories. And we're not leaving the playground until he goes down that pole. And finally, he did it. And when he did it, the other kids were shocked. And they were like, he didn't get hurt. And he went and did it again. And guess what? His attempt, his approach to freedom caused them to get free because they started doing it too. And now we had kids who were not bound by fear anymore. This is exactly what happens in our lives. When you hang out with people who tell you you can't, you shouldn't, you won't, you stay in this space and you never move what God wants you to be. You need to pick friends who, en- who will not enable you, but they empower you. Always have that addiction. Always going to struggle. Always going to have that habit. No, no. Empower you to move forward. Empower you to move towards Christ. You need friends who empower you to be a better mom. 
You need friends who empower you to be a faithful husband. You need friends who empower you that you are greater than the thing that you keep doing, that you can get free from it, and that you can walk and live and move in who Christ has called you to be. You need friends who get behind you and give you the gift of courage and say, you can make it. Or you can choose to have people who keep you bound because they don't know what it's like to be free. Choose friends, number two. Choose friends who are stronger than you. Rehoboam got advice from people who were much weaker than he was. The elders were strong and secure enough to say, this is our weakness as a kingdom. We tax the people. It's too much. We got to reduce that. And they'll be nice. They'll love us. They were stronger. But he went and chose advice and counsel from people who were weaker than him. This makes really good sense. It's not hard to see this illustration. If I walk into the gym and I'm trying to figure out who do I want to develop this body into becoming like? Whose biceps, abs, traps, lats, I don't care about the legs. Whose body do I want this to look like? I look around the room and I find about, that's it right there. And I go, that's what I want to look like. That dude right there. Let me go ask this guy how to look like that. <laughs> what? No. I walk up to that guy and go, what do you eat? How do you sleep? What are you thinking about? What are you doing with your life? Tell me the secrets to get this to looking like that. See, whatever you want to become like, you have to go and find it. And you better hope it's stronger than you are. You have to put yourself in a circle where you're not the smartest person. I'm committed to not being the smartest person in the room I sit in. One of my closest friends in life pastors a church of 5,000 people. I only tell you that number just simply because I understand the leadership gift I have. And I understand for this church to continue to grow and reach more people, I've got to make sure the lid and the limitation on my head stay wide open so that I can develop. I don't need to be the smartest person all the time. I need to have space where I can grow because at times I'm the weaker one, but I can grow stronger. So do you. You need to be in spaces and places where you can develop that thing and get it built up in your life. I have a friend, just a new friend in my life. He told me this a couple months ago. He said, I decided I wanted to be a millionaire, but I didn't know how to do it. He said, so I just started hanging out with millionaires, and a couple years ago, I hit the mark. It's like, is that all there is to it? <laughs> because those you hang around with, you become like. You hang around with people that look at porn, you're going to look at porn. You hang out with people that do look at naked people, you're going to think about naked people, talk about naked people, Share those pictures, think it's funny, it's not a big deal. Water down and compromise your values and your convictions, and you can become, ah, you know what? Everybody's doing it. But if you hang out with people who go, no, I value purity. I value righteousness. I value something that God has brought me free from, and I used to be that way, but because of God's grace, I'm not any longer. Suddenly now, you are in this space right here. It all depends on what you're hanging. Man, I, I, you got to understand, the community you're in, the people you hang out with, determines how much freedom you'll have in your life. Spouses. 
Always hanging out with spouses who talk about their spouses. Wives. Talking to husband haters. My husband, if you only knew my husband, he's the dumbest guy in the room. My husband, if you only understood how lazy he was. Ladies, if you just hang out with ladies who complain about their husbands, you're going to have a hard time finding something good to look at in your husband. You're going to constantly see flaws in him. You know they're there. I'm like, babe, hang out with people who love their husbands. That way I look flawless. <laughs> if I find a lady who like, flatters and affirms her husband, I'm like, you should be her friend. Because we become like those we hang out around, who we roll with. I need to understand that in my life, where I'm going is determined by who I'm with right now. Some of our marriages aren't bad because you're not trying hard enough. It's because you don't have the right people in your life. You're trying hard to get your marriage right, but you're getting counsel and advice from a community that can't get you where you need to get to. I've been there. Tara and I were married a year, and I went to a person, a pastor, and said, hey, we're having challenges. This is our problem. I've told you the story before. His response to me, leave now. It only gets worse. Little did we know, he had multiple affairs happening at that moment. See, who you get counsel and advice from, you, we were trying hard to make it work, but if I had listened to that counsel and advice, we would not be married today because I was told to give up. So I understood and discerned that voice is not for me. That's enabling me to realize we're just broken people and we'll never be fixed. Let's just walk away now. But I knew God had called us to something greater. I knew I had a vow to fulfill, and so did she. And so we said, we're not going to listen to that voice. Let's find somebody else who can empower us. Number three, choose friends who have more faith than you have. Oh, how many times have I needed your faith to get me through? How many times have you needed somebody else's faith to get you through? When you didn't believe in you, they believed in you. The prayers of a mom praying for you when you were backwards and sideways. The counsel and the advice from a dad who knew better and would challenge you on it and stand with you and didn't reject you or turn you around, but loved you through it. Had faith for you when you couldn't. A pastor who stood by your side and called out things in your life that you couldn't see at the time, but now you look back, you're like, man, if I had not had him and her in my life, I would not be here today because they saw things at the time I couldn't see. There are moments in life when you have to rely on somebody else's faith more than your own. I could give you multiple stories in Scripture to affirm that. The man... Mark 2, healed from paralyzed legs. Jesus said, you're healed because of their faith. There are moments when I need to have friends whose faith is greater than mine. Paul wrote this out. He said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I've got the best of intentions. I've got good character. 
if I put it in bad company, it's corruptible. It's corrupted. It falls apart. It's broken. And some of you aren't walking into your purpose because you're not bad people, but because you're surrounded by bad company. You have bad habits, constantly compromising because of the company you keep, because they enable you, they don't challenge you. And you need to get them out of your inner circle. Think about when Jesus called those disciples, follow me, and invited them into the inner circle. Jesus took 12 teenage boys, said, follow me. And everything about their lives became empowered because of the one whose faith was greater, who was stronger, who was wiser. And that's who they followed. So choice. Who are you choosing today to follow? So I would never give you a challenge like this without giving you solutions. We have two here at the Avenue. Two ways to help you find relationships and change your community. The first one is Dream Team. Dream Team is where we serve each other. It's where we volunteer. It's where we get on board and say, hey, I'm in. What do you need me to do? And there's so much to be done. This is not done because of one person that makes it all happen. Trust me. It's done because a community of people. What's our dream team up to now? Over 80 people? Around 80? Around 80 people come together and make all of this happen that you see every week, every month, every year. It's amazing. Blows my mind. And you need to be on the team. We're doing a lot with who we have. We could be doing more if you were here. You're looking for a relationship. Change community. How do I find new people? Begin serving with somebody and say, hey, I'll set this stuff up. I'll take care of kids. I'll lead a small group. What do you need me to do? I'm in because you need to be in, not because we need you, but because you need to change some of the friendships and community that you're in. Because the company you're keeping has got to change because you have a call to serve each other. And it doesn't matter your age. From younger, I don't know why I put my hand down there. I guess that's like a timeline to older. The second area, dream team, is small groups. If small groups sign up today, begin signing up today in the lobby. They kick off February the 1st. Small groups is one of the best things we do. In small groups, you'll find community of people who believe in you. Now listen, I can't vouch for everybody in the groups because I don't know them all. But I know the leaders. And I believe in them. This is going to be our best small group semester we've ever had. And you need to be in a group. I need to be in a group. We never outgrow groups. Small groups is how we take overflowing services and break them down into moments when we get to know each other. We build community and friendships. It's hard to build a friendship in a crowded room like this. It's easy to build a friendship in a small group. I made a list. I'm going to let you go in just a moment. We're going to baptize some people. I made a list of what I want you to, in your life to think. If I'm going to be a faithful friend, this is what it might look like. If I'm looking for new friends, this is what they need to look like. Now, you can add things to this, but there's some thoughts. Number one, they need to be a constant encouragement. I need a constant encouragement to my life, not enabling me to stay complacent, 
but gives me the courage to move forward, always encouraging me, always cheering me on, always reminding me of God's greater purpose than the moment I'm in right now. I need somebody in my life, number two, who challenges me to live life God's way, who looks at me and says, what are you fasting? And I go, that's none of your business. It's between me and God. And they go, no, it's not, because I'm in your life, so what are you fasting? You need people in your life who can challenge you on anything. I know some of y'all aren't used to that because you are the one and you don't want to be challenged on anything. You need people in your life who can challenge everything and encourage you. Everything inside of you is resisting that right now and pushing back. But to get to where you need to get to in life, you need people who have access doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means you know why you're doing it and choosing it. Well, I'm not fasting because uh, I don't believe in fasting. Well, the Bible says we should fast. Well, I'm not fasting because of, oh, have you ever been baptized in water? No, no, I didn't do that. Why not? Well, you know, I don't have the time. You need people who have access into your life. And if you challenge somebody, listen, do it kindly. Do it lovingly. Do it with respect. Not you coming in, kicking down the door. Walking in, having a conversation. You need people in your life who listen. Oh, I like a good listener. I want to be a good listener. Not always interrupting. Like I'm trying to tell a story and somebody's always trying to trumpet what their story is. Getting in the middle of my story. Let me tell my story but I got to be a listener to listen as well because I want to just hear your heart. You want to be a faithful friend? You're looking for faithful friends? Find people who don't gossip, who don't share other people's information because if they're sharing other people's information, they're sharing your information. And if you're sharing information, you're going to have a hard time finding faithful people in your life. Find a faithful friend. Find somebody that listens. Find somebody who forgives quickly daily, who doesn't push you towards holding grudges, but pushes you to a place of forgiveness, who encourages you to overlook things and to get through things, and by God's grace, you can forgive. Find somebody who speaks truth with love, not sugarcoating it. Sugar makes us unhealthy. Ah, I love sugar. It makes me so unhealthy, though. It's one of my worst relationships I have in my life, me and sugar. Come on, somebody. I'm going to go through pain this week if I fast sugar. I'm going to be like, uh, if I'm in a bad mood, y'all know why. Ah, do I want to be fit, healthy? Do I want to be unhealthy? I don't need somebody who sugarcoats it and makes me just feel good even when I'm doing something I shouldn't. I need somebody in my life Lastly, who celebrates other people's wins, not only their own. Somebody who posts pictures of other people winning, celebrates you on your birthday, celebrates you on your milestones, you on your promotion, you on your awards, celebrates you because of you and who you are and what you've done, not just themselves. You need to be somebody who celebrates other people as well and gets up. You know, everybody loves a good attaboy, a good cheer, a good, you did so good, even when I didn't. 
but nothing feels so good. I can tell you when I was learning how to preach, and I'm still learning, but in the early stages, it was rough, y'all. Real rough. I think it's rough for everybody. I don't know anybody natural. Just get up and... But it was rough. I can remember somebody being like, that was so good. I've never heard it put that way. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Spouses cheering each other on. You hold so much power and weight in the relationship just by celebrating the other person. Things I want to get better at, things I want to be better at, things I want to have in my life. This is our answer to the challenge we have. Jeroboam and Rehoboam went into civil war, split the kingdom in two for years, centuries until the exile. Those countries never reunited again until they came back together from Babylon. All because of that one decision to listen to wrong counsel. Who you have in your life, who you're surrounded by, determines where you 